One very important characteristic I've found is the autonomy that someone is used to before. So we find that people who've done a lot of that type of work before and taken ownership of kind of bigger work streams and and like working in that manner rather than a more prescribed way of working, I think tend to do a lot better in remote teams. So autonomy, I'd say, is, is really, really important. everybody, welcome back to Founder Vision. Today I am speaking with Naman Mehrotra. He is the head of product at Safety Wing. And today I'll be co-hosted by Brian Gupton as well. He is our VP of sales. How's it going, Naman? Very good. Um, hey, Brian. Hey, Brett. It's it's nice to be here and, and excited to talk to both of you. Yeah, you're joining us today from Venice, right? Venice, Italy. Yeah, Venice in Italy. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice day here, and I'm I'm working from here uh, for for the rest of the week. Nice. We've got a nice spread of time zones here between Italy, Colombia, and Hawaii at the moment on this on this podcast, uh, which is quite representative of both of our companies and what what you guys do. Uh, my understanding is Safety Wing is creating options for health insurance for digital nomads and fully remote teams. And this is something that's actually very exciting to me because I've been looking for this, for a real solution to this for over 15 years. And I am really excited to hear about what you guys are doing. Yeah, I I think um, you got that right, Brett. I can start off and and kind of maybe just give a very quick intro about Safety Wing. Uh, We were were about a four-year-old startup uh, that provides healthcare insurance and retirement product for remote workers worldwide. Um, and the way we see this is uh, kind of a replacement uh, to national welfare system. So we envision a future economy um, on the internet uh, where, where kind of borders, physical borders are, are less and less relevant and people are working remotely from all around the world. Um, and uh, we haven't really seen these uh, welfare systems or, or um, financial security and healthcare products adapt to that. And so uh, we, we started with a digital uh, nomad insurance product that first uh, launched a worldwide health insurance product last year uh, for global teams and have various other uh, products in the pipeline, such as a retirement account and, and a few other kind of more financial security products. So we, we're very excited about the space and uh, think it has a lot of potential and uh, and are basically just solving our own problem because I think like like you and like Clearview, we have a very global and remote team as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me about your experience coming into Safety Wing. How did you, how did you find yourself here, and what's your experience in being being a digital nomad and uh, and working in in this kind of environment? Yeah. Um, so, in terms of my experience as a nomad, um, I'd say today's in today's definition of being a digital nomad, I actually just started last month. Um, for the first time trying to be kind of a full-time digital nomad. I left my apartment in, in New York City uh, and I've been in Europe for about a month now and, and kind of have plans of, of being in Europe for a little while and then going to South America. Um, it's it's a pretty exciting time. I grew up in what would be called a, a nomadic family. My, my parents were moving countries and, and kind of jobs every two to three years. Uh, there wasn't a term called digital nomads then, so they were more kind of used to the expat terminology. Uh, but we grew up ar- across uh, Europe, Asia, um, and, and Africa before I moved to the U.S. for, for college and have, have been there uh, for the last decade or so. Um, 
In terms of how I found Safety Ring, I actually happened to stumble upon it. Um, I had been a consultant and in, uh, in product um, at a consulting firm called McKinsey uh, for a while out of New York, um, and uh, I was just very excited about uh, the, the startup world. I always kind of knew I wanted to go out and start something or, or join at an early stage and, and build out a new product or a team. Um, so I was just having conversations with a, a bunch of different people, and I came across this company called Safety Wing, which was solving problems that were quite personal to me because my family had been moving around and every time we moved we had to find a new health insurance carrier new financial uh, new banks and and uh, just have a completely new life in every country um, so the company obviously was very very interesting it's a it's a really global team uh, and i happened to have had a friend who had just joined that um, three months before i did a friend from college and so uh, uh, after speaking to them, it, it seemed like a very, very natural fit. And I was very excited about the space as well. Beautiful. One thing that's always occurred to me whenever I've thought of why this doesn't seem to exist yet, is just the the assumption that it must be so difficult to actually pull this off with so many different rules and regulations and laws in all these different countries that to, to really create a uh, both a, a health product as well as a retirement product and the whole suite of you know, sub products you might have related to that to create something like that, that really actually replaces what people are able to get locally, but have it work across borders just seems like such a monumental, complex, legal and regulatory task. How, how are you approaching that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, the way we approached it is, is kind of like every complex problem. I, I think that we typically approach is, we broke it down into different steps and first started out with a product that we thought would be simpler to accomplish. So for, from the beginning, beginning of the company and when it was founded, there was a vision to provide uh, health insurance uh, and some of these kind of retirement type products uh, to freelancers around the world. Uh, but the reason we started with a nomad insurance product, uh, which is more like a travel insurance, is because we knew it would be much more uh, kind of seamless on the regulatory side to achieve uh, and, and at least uh, feasible to, to build something like that. Um, and, and, and that would kind of give us enough resources and enough um, conviction in the idea that we can then go ahead and tackle the more difficult problems. Um, so we, we, we looked at it in a more incre incremental approach where we first had a pretty successful uh, nomad insurance uh, or travel insurance type product. Um, and then we started looking into the health insurance space. Uh, and even within the health insurance space, uh, I would say that a decent part of the world was uh, has less regulation around um, health, the health insurance space. I think US and Canada particularly are very, very heavy on the regulation side. Uh, and so for that, we, we tend to kind of take the approach of partnering with local uh, uh, entities. Uh, but wherever we can, we're, we're sort of building up to a perfect product. We start out with whatever we can um, and, and the best product we can. And then uh, over time, we're building out um, uh, and, and adding more and more countries to the list. Hmm. So going back to back to the remote and the distributed teams thing, has, has Safety Wing been fully remote from the start? Yes. Uh, Safety Wing started off as a fully remote company. So, so being... Being fully remote all along, you're in this parallel journey of working to solve a lot of the challenges of a fully remote team, um, fully distributed across a number of different countries and 
legal boundaries. And you're also approaching and learning from all the other lessons of being a fully distributed team, such as culture and maintaining personal and interpersonal connections across the team. How have you been finding that as you've been working on this in parallel to, to, to kind of spearheading solving some of these administrative issues of, of being a remote team? Yeah, so, so to share some context, um, Safety Wing, I mean, at this point, we probably have a total of 60 plus employees from maybe 40 plus countries um, across time zone wise, I, I think we cover most of the world at this point. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been a very interesting journey. Um, I, I will say one of the big advantages um, of being a completely distributed team is that a lot of our customers are distributed. And so we understand the problem and we're we, we know that this is a real problem that we're solving for ourselves and for a lot of our customers as well um, and and that in a way brings us very close to our customers and we can even test products within the company and, and kind of uh, stress test them to understand whether it's a real problem that we're solving um, and I think for fully distributed teams as, as you both very well understand they, there is uh, it, it's a very different approach to um, how do you keep the productivity up in the company and how do you keep the culture strong and, and kind of relationships between coworkers strong because uh, you're not seeing them every day. You, you can't um, hang out with them outside of work or run into each other in, in kind of the lobby. Um, what I've found, uh, a few very specific things that I've found to be very useful um, here is that uh, we, we actually just had our first in-person retreat um, since uh, kind of the pandemic started uh, last year. And uh, just in the weeks after that, I've noticed a big change. A lot of the coworkers met each other for the first time. Uh, I, I think with remote work or remote companies in general, people tend to think that uh, pe people never get to meet each other. But a lot of remote companies are actually doing in-person offsites two or three times a year or sometimes even more. Uh, and I think that's essential uh, to a lot of those companies. Uh, some even have budgets for coworkers who work very closely with each other to go and meet each other and kind of have maybe a week of problem solving um, together and, and, and co-locate. Uh, and I think that type of um, those types of incentives or even policies are essential for remote companies to to foster a very strong culture. Um, and I've also found one-on-ones where it's structured time to just get to know person outside of work uh, to be very important. Um, to to kind of build those deeper connections with my team. Um, what about for entrepreneurs who are you know looking to either you know become a, a more distributed company uh, or for you know people who are working at companies that are distributed? What's some advice you can share about um, how to design your life around being a, a remote worker and you know how how has for like a, a product or engineering team? How do you develop like a really good operating rhythm where, you know, things, you know, feel seamless. Everyone feels uh, included in those decision making processes um, and, you know, things can just operate a little more smoothly when people are working across like multiple different time zones. Yeah, that's a really good question, Brian. Um, a few things I would say on a on a high level, um, I found uh that a, I, I'm not sure if this is possible in a completely asynchronous way, but we have a culture at Safety Wing that's, that's semi-asynchronous where we have a few meetings a week where everyone is um, uh, expected to be online. 
Um, and I found that works uh, very well because there's there's some boundary around when everyone meets uh, and uh, a lot of the kind of important issues that we need to talk through um, happen in those conversations. And, and that, that time is around six hours a week uh, on a few of the days. Um, the rest of the work tends to happen asynchronously. Uh, and I found compared to a company, uh, I worked at a company before that went remote and a lot of the work was still happening in meetings and, and they were very time zone specific. Uh, at SafetyWing, I, I think things are more optimized for offline work. So uh, we use Notion, we use Slack uh, very well uh, to get work done offline and, and kind of um, really push things forward uh, without having to have meetings. Um, it, in terms of some of the very unique things that we do, for example, uh, a lot of us in our Slack status um, have the country and the time zones that we work out of. So there, there are kind of these cultural norm, norms that we've created for distributed teams um, that make it fairly easy for you to at least know um, how the other person's working style is and, and kind of adapt to that. And over time, once you're working very closely with your team, uh, you, you tend to understand their working hours, the way they work, uh, whether they like meetings or not, uh, and, and really adapt to that. Um, and so I, I think those, I, I would say those are really, really important. And I found a lot more opportunities to get deep work done uh, with remote work because there's this there's no expectation of being online for meetings uh, at all times. And, and you can kind of design your day around when you are most productive. Um, so really understanding that right. about your teammates, I think, is very, very important. Now, have you found that there are certain roles in the organization that are just more challenging to work in like an asynchronous fashion? Or do you think it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out the operating rhythm that that that's going to work? Like, I, I would think like customer support would be a tough one, you know, to, to work asynchronously. If, if I've got a support issue and the person who needs to work on that support issue is fast asleep during the day and it's they're not going to see the issue for, you know, eight, 10 hours. Um, how, how do you handle positions like that where the role in and of itself is maybe a little more challenging to do asynchronously? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on its head, I think, Brian, with that. Uh, I would say more operational roles that require someone to be online 24-7. So for, for us, um, for our relationships with companies, for example, account management um, or uh, customer um, service um, and, and these types of roles, uh, definitely you need, as a company, you want to be online 24-7. Um, and the way we've structured it is we have people... Uh, across the world uh, that kind of handle different time zones. Um, and uh, we, um, based on, say, if we're partnering with a, a, a partner from a particular time zone or a particular region, um, we have account managers or customer service um, targeted towards that region. And so that that's how uh, we have dealt with it. Um, with other roles, I'd say with engineering, uh, the engineering org, the product org, um, we haven't we haven't really had a, a, any issues with uh, um, roles that need to be co-located. Uh, but I have found with some sort of problem solving exercises, uh, it does help to be in person. Um, so sometimes uh, I, I think it's beneficial for say if I'm I'm working with uh, a particular um, engineering team on uh, on starting 
a new product or or kind of building out the vision for a new product, I do find it helpful to co-locate with them for that part of the process. And I guess it's simple enough now with the tools that we have to to virtually co-locate, right? So that it almost makes it easier if you need to to, to pull together a small team to tackle a specific uh, issue. You can you could just pull from anywhere in the world, and you guys just agree on you know a time when when it works for everyone to to get together. So from that standpoint, things have gotten you know quite a bit easier. And and you know your your tool is 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 obviously handling some of the um, you know, operational challenges for just being um, a, a remote worker. But I, I know you specifically are focused at Safety Wing on um, APIs for uh, the, the development there. Like, how, how do you guys look at that um, as a way to easily enable some of this uh, complexity in, in uh, you know, the various regulatory environments? Yeah, so we are very, uh, the API is, is kind of a new part of, of Safety Wing. Um, what we found was there are a lot of uh, businesses and platforms across the world um, that are offering services um, to other businesses or small companies, um, small to medium-sized remote companies uh, that don't want to deal with the logistical hurdles of starting a remote company. Because as uh, if you've hired someone from a different country, you know they need a completely kind of different payroll structure, tax structure, benefits. Um, and so there's a lot of these companies, uh, one of our partners like the remote.com, like remote.com that deal, deals with a lot of the people um, and logistical hurdles. Uh, what we have found that uh, is that they also want to provide benefits to their um, customers. Um, and uh, if you've looked at the trends in, in the, the fintech space, um, APIs have become a very, very simple way of providing infrastructure um, today. Um, kind of the way I look at it, um, the way I analogize it, analogize it is um, if, if, you look at um, electricity APIs are sort of the power socket that enables all the other applications um, uh, that come with it, like a toaster or microwave oven. And so we look at benefits um, the, the same way where they're essentially infrastructure that everyone should be able to have access to. Um, and uh, we're building this API so we can, um, a, a new platform or a new company that's starting if, if they want to integrate uh, benefits, uh, global benefits onto their platform and provide them to their customers, uh, it, it's really easy for them uh, to do that. And they don't have to think much about the logistics. Uh, so that's our future vision with the the Safety Wing API. I'm curious how for for onboarding for for new clients, let's say there's, there's companies who have been fully co-located uh, and over the course of COVID, they've started to become more more remote, and so they've already got a large team with local, you know, uh, like localized benefits. And so then they start having this distributed team, and they're starting to bring more people in from overseas. And so they've got an existing legacy benefit system, and then they have a growing population of new employees that would benefit from from something like Safety Wing. How do you approach that interface with with these new customers? And helping them have sort of a seamless experience for their for their employees to be able to select what kind of benefits they have, and then also have some some form of parity across the organization. Yeah, um, 
We've had a lot of our customers, um, because we launched this product last year um, in 2020, we, we've been working with a lot of kind of new customers that haven't had to transition from um, the, uh, say, a, a co-located insurance model where they have a significant number of employees in a particular country to a completely distributed ones. Uh, and in many of those cases, it's actually a very uh, incremental transition. So, for example, um, we've worked with companies where if they have a significant number of employees in a particular country, say uh, Mexico or something, um, and they, because of this remote work, are, are now starting to hire people abroad, uh, they will approach us for that specific use case where uh, they will keep those Mexico employees in the same insurance because that's all set up. And a lot of times it's, it's cheaper than a global insurance plan, uh, especially in developing countries. Um, and then they'll start off with a more global plan for rest of the, the kind of the rest of the world. We, we've seen a lot of those types of customers. Um, over time, we are also hoping to kind of offer a product that's specific to developing countries where you need a much more lower cap uh, product and you don't really um, have requirements such as in uh, a, a lot of um, kind of North America and Europe where um, healthcare is much more expensive. Um, and, and that we hope will be a lot more competitive with a local um, kind of health insurance uh, providers uh, and can cover that use case for them as well. Because the real value in safety right now for a lot of these companies is that for every new country they go to, they don't have to um, get their own kind of ins local insurance plans, which is a, a pain to deal with. Um, and so it only makes sense for them to look at local insurance plans if they have a huge majority of uh, people in a particular country. And then for the rest of the world, they, they kind of come to us. So um, when you're building a, a, a team, um, what are some of the characteristics that you look for if that team is going to be fully distributed? And, you know, what are uh, what are some advice that you can give to people to be a more effective leader of distributed teams? Yeah. Um, so I, I think one very important characteristic I, I found is um, the uh, the autonomy uh, that that someone is kind of used to before. So we find that um, in in a company like safety, a lot of the distributor teams that we work with generally tend to be a lot flatter than uh, your typical co-located organization. Um, and uh, people are used to a lot more autonomous work. Um, and so uh, there, I almost look at it as kind of um, a lot of individual contributors that are owning very significant parts of the company. Um, and uh, there are uh, people who've done a lot of that type of work before and taken ownership of kind of bigger work streams and, and like working in that manner rather than a more prescribed way of working, I think tend to do a lot better uh, in remote teams. Uh, especially because you don't have a lot of kind of optics involved in a, in a uh, particular um, kind of in a, in a typical office style environment. Um, so autonomy, I'd say, is, is really, really important. Uh, I, I think, too, um, I would say there this is a potential con of, of um, remote work, which is um, for people fresh out of college or fresh grads, I found that um, training and onboarding can be very difficult early on in your career. Um, so a, a more kind of experienced uh, individual who's done something for a few years 
um, it finds it a lot more, a lot easier to um, kind of transition to remote work and, and know how to do things. And I found this at McKinsey as well, where um, a lot of uh, fresh grads that we were um, kind of hiring who um, were coming into McKinsey completely remote, they just didn't have a lot of the training or the resources or kind of the um, coaching that you get one-on-one. Um, and uh, that, that I found to be lacking in most companies today uh, that are remote. Uh, so I, I think one important thing to do as a leader to try to solve those issues is to uh, have more structure around coaching uh, and, and understanding development goals of, of, of the team. Um, so that could be something like having very structured conversations uh, around uh, development goals, not only work focus, but even personal focus and see how you as a company or, or you as a leader could kind of help them um, uh, give them more opportunities to, to develop those uh, and having regular one-on-ones or, or conversations around that uh, I found is, is very, very helpful. Um, and then two, I would say, uh, is being very, very clear about the cultural values of the company. I think uh, our founders at Safety Wing have uh, spent a lot of time thinking about what kind of culture we want to build and, and what are kind of the important uh uh, norms and and uh, values that drive us, um, and it's a big part of the onboarding process, or even the hiring process, where uh, we will take a lot of time to get to know someone and understand if their values kind of align with the company. Um, and uh, even if it's it, it kind of in some time in some situation it inhibits the company from uh, hiring quickly, uh, we would say that the the long term benefits of, of getting someone who's aligned with the culture, especially in a remote team, is, is very, very important. Uh, so we, we spend a lot of time and effort in, in putting those values together and making sure they're aligned with a new hire. What, what are some of the things you would consider like a, a non-negotiable when, you know, managing people who are mostly working autonomously? Like, like for us, we, you know, we have everyone that they need, you know, since we're not doing like a regular stand up each day, we will post these uh, on Slack and that's kind of one of our non-negotiables that you need to update everyone on what you're working on that day. But so thinking of practical things like that, or if you want to take it in a different direction, I'm just interested to hear. Yeah. um, So I I do think um, one is we have uh, regular kind of weekly meetings, Monday meetings where we expect everyone to be very present um, and, and kind of active and, and talk about any big blockers. Uh, that's our, that's where our kind of our semi asynchronous culture comes in. Um, so I, I think being present there and, and kind of talking about, um, talking about the, what has happened in the past, what will be done next, um, and, and sharing updates there is very, very important. Um, being responsive um, on on Slack within kind of a, a one day period, if that person is not offline, um, is is another important thing. Um, and um, I and then just taking kind of direct ownership of a work stream and, and pushing that forward um, is is another non negotiable, uh, which comes back to our, our conversation on autonomy. Um, I, I yeah, I would say those are. Uh, typically some of the kind of most important things I see. And if they are stuck on something, uh, instead of just waiting around or, or, or not talking about that blocker, uh, we, we 
really prefer that those are kind of brought up uh, early on um, so that the team can can uh, problem solve them before we move on to things. So before we close, I have one note from your pre-call with Brian about that, that I really kind of want to dig into a little bit and uh, hear your story here. Uh, apparently, you were in Egypt for, for the revolution. Uh, the, was it the Arab Spring? Yeah, that's correct. It was... It was in 2011. 11, yeah. Tell me, tell me how that was for you. What was your experience with that? Yeah, um, so I was actually in high school then. Um, I had just moved to Egypt about a year ago, uh, a year before uh, it happened. Um, my experience in Egypt before that was as a foreigner, I was kind of in this bubble and I thought it was like a very, um, very safe and, and um, kind of, you know, everything having that rosy picture of, of Egypt. Um, and then with the Arab Spring, uh, it was Jan 26, 2011, I think. Um, it, it started off as something that seemed much smaller um, and uh, grew into something really, really large. There was a million person march in Cairo. Uh, my high school was obviously canceled. And uh, my family, uh, my, my dad used, the company that my dad used to work for uh, was told that my family could be evacuated in a matter of uh, a few hours. Uh, so we had to really pack up all our belongings um, and uh, kind of be ready for that, which as, as a kid, I, I don't think I completely understood the, the gravity of the situation, uh, but it, it did shape uh, my life in, in kind of many ways. Um, and so for the next, for that weekend, uh, things kind of got really, uh, really, um, bad in in Cairo and there was a lot of uh, protests that the police wasn't um, uh, kind of available to to stop a lot of the the robberies and things like that that were happening in Cairo uh, and then when the the um, coup was announced uh, our company kind of decided to evacuate us uh, to Italy and so I spent three or four months uh, studying in Italy then which was actually my first time living in a developed country um, and uh, that was a pretty defining moment for me and, and kind of made me want to work more in technology because I, I thought about the causes of the Egyptian revolution. And um, I, I actually think that it would be very difficult for something like that to happen if social media does not exist. Um, and uh, a lot of the success of the Tunisian part of the Arab Spring kind of spread over to Egypt. And that's why there was this kind of organized protest. And actually, in order to prevent people from being organized, the government had shut down all cellular services. Uh, I, I kind of remember that the only thing that was working was landline. Um, so that that was a very, very uh, uh, obvious kind of picture of how technology can do good in the world and, and kind of get people together to, to follow behind the cause. Mm. Fascinating. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Naman. And I'm really excited to continue talking with you more um, off script about or offline about uh, about safety wing. This is really a, pro a, a problem that I've been looking to find some solution for for us for a very long time. And I'm really excited to see how we can help you succeed in this vision and bring this to the world. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brett. This was uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed speaking with both of you as well. And I'm excited to keep working with both of you. All right. Thank you all for listening to Founder Vision. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share it with your friends. I'm also really grateful for your five-star ratings and reviews, as well as any feedback about what we're doing well and how we could make the podcast even better.
To send feedback or to connect us with a potential guest, reach out to foundervision at clearview.team.